Hello, my rebels. I tell you, uh, have you ever heard of the word the Overton window? You ever heard that phrase? You know, Glenn Beck wrote a book with that title. It's actually named after a scholar who came up with the idea that if something is not in the realm of the possible, it'll never happen. And everything in the Overton window are ideas that are thinkable. Ideas go from unthinkable to radical, and there's this whole spectrum, and they finally become acceptable, and then they become policy. And how did we move the Overton window so quickly on things like vaccine passports and lockdowns? I'll tell you a little more about this idea called the Overton window. I'll tell you the six stages of it, and I'll apply it to masks and lockdowns and vaccine passports. And then I think I'll scare you a little bit by showing you what I think is next on the Overton window. That's all ahead. Hey, before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber at Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of these podcasts. We put a lot of effort into them, and sometimes that's really how we tell the story visually. Normally, it's eight bucks a month. You just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. But for the duration of the election, we're giving it away for free. Just type in the promo code election, and it's free. And I'm hoping you like it enough that you continue after the election and chip in eight bucks a month. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, British Columbia throws out the Charter of Rights and brings in a vaccine passport with no medical exemptions. It's August 24th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Thank consumer you. I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. The Overton Window. Have you heard of that? It's an idea named after the late scholar Joseph Overton that describes a political idea's acceptability to the public. Everything within the Overton window is possible. If it's outside the window, it's just not going to happen. But you can move the Overton window to change the view of what's possible. Overton's colleague came up with six levels of possibility for any idea. At first, it's unthinkable. Then it's merely radical. Then it's acceptable, then it's sensible, and then it's popular, and then it's policy. And one of the ideas of an Overton window is that simply by proposing an extreme idea, everything else gets shifted one notch over towards normal. Think, for example, of how that works with uh, hard drugs. People who talk about normalizing hard drugs, having government-supervised drug injection sites for homeless people instead of getting them off drugs. Um, do you think that's, that moved the marijuana debate from radical to acceptable? I think it did. It moved the Overton window. Same thing is going on at light speed. Take drag queen children's story hour at libraries. I mean, it's shocking when you first see it. But then, you know, a few months later, now the Olympics are pushing aside women competitors for trans competitors, and you're a racist or something if you disagree. That's the Overton window shifting. And isn't it shifting quickly these days? Here's Justin Trudeau on the concept of vaccine passports just a few months ago. 
But like I said, what do you do with someone with an allergy? What do you do with someone uh, who's immunocompromised or someone who for religious or, uh, you know, deep convictions uh, decides that, no, they're not going to get a vaccine. We're we're not a country that... Well, we're not a country that makes vaccination mandatory, for example, but we want to encourage everyone to get it. He was against it, of course, and so was British Columbia's unelected, unaccountable public health bureaucrat, Bonnie Henry, who's been so focused on the public health emergency we're in, she had time to write an autobiography uh, during the crisis about what a hero she is, that Bonnie Henry. Uh, Here she is on vaccine passports. This wasn't years ago. This was weeks ago. This virus has shown us that there are inequities in our society that have been exacerbated by this pandemic. And there is no way that we will recommend um, inequities be increased by use of things like vaccine passports for services, for public access here in British Columbia. Uh, It would not be my advice that we have any sort of vaccine passport within British Columbia for services in BC. So that was then. This is now. Here's Trudeau just a few days ago on the campaign trail. You deserve a government that's going to continue to say, get vaccinated. And you know what? If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk. There will be consequences if you don't submit. And here's Bonnie Henry just yesterday. So yes, we have been working uh, with WorkSafe BC to support businesses in in looking at their COVID safety plans, the communicable disease plans, and where vaccination fits in those plans. And we've seen that from a number of businesses. We've seen uh, commitments from the federal government around some of the federally regulated uh, businesses, and we'll continue to support businesses who, uh, particularly public-facing businesses, where vaccination is really important to protect staff. But this uh, vaccine card is, is not for employee, uh, people who work in those settings. Um, there's a different process that needs to take place uh, for, for employees. So how did this all happen? Well, mainly because all of the watchdogs in society are sleeping. No opposition party is truly opposing. The media is cheerleading. The old left-wing civil liberties groups, well... Are they even still around? You know, I went to the homepage of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association today. I'm actually a donor for some reason. I should stop that. Uh, I, I scroll down their page. They call this focus areas. There's 17 items they're focused on. Doesn't sound very focused. But the words vaccine, lockdown, vaccine passport, even the words COVID or pandemic are not anywhere on the page. <laughs> No judge in any court has yet done anything meaningful to stop the lockdowns or slow them down or challenge them. And the trouble is, given the Overton window, things that were shocking 18 months ago are now normalized and we're numb to them and we're used to them 18 months ago. I think the establishment knew this whole idea was so shocking, so they told us a very important lie. Two weeks to flatten the curve. This is just for two weeks. Just give us two weeks to slow down the rate at which people are being infected with the virus. Just two weeks so we can... Slow it down so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. That's the only strategy here. Slow it down, don't stop it. You really can't stop viruses. There's no such thing as COVID zero, just like you can't stop other viruses, including the common flu. You build up herd immunity, as it's called. That's a funny word to describe people I know, but it's true enough. If people get a disease and recover from it, they have immunity to it as a community, uh, as a herd, you're fine. That was the idea, slow it down for two weeks, till we're past the worst of it. 
And uh, we're past the worst of it. This is from the government of Canada's official COVID statistics website today. This is the death rate for COVID per 100,000 people in every single province and territory. Do you see the commonality there? It is now zero, or as close to zero as to be marked as zero. Zero in every province and territory. So naturally, they need to ratchet up the fear factor to keep things going, thus vaccine passports. I mean, Trudeau just bought how many billions of dollars worth of doses for many years to come? He needs to keep us on his program. Listen to this. While more and more Canadians are getting vaccinated right now, it's also important to plan ahead for the future. We've reached an agreement with Pfizer for 35 million booster doses for next year and 30 million in the year after. This deal includes options to add 30 million doses in both 2022 and 2023 and an option for 60 million doses in 2024. Why is he doing that? The death rate is near zero in Canada. Those who wanted to get vaxxed, they got vaxxed. So if there's no crisis anymore, maybe there never really was. And if most people have taken the vaccine who want it, certainly, you know, it's, it's easy enough. There's lotteries, they'll pay you to take it. Why? Why the extreme approach with vaccine passports? Why the shocking calls to ban healthy people who pose no risk to the others or themselves, to ban them from planes and trains and buses and schools and restaurants and gyms. We've got through the last 18 months without it. Why now? We've never done vaccine passports before. Nothing like it. There's no such thing really as a vaccine passport. Never has been. Not during the height of the AIDS crisis. Not during Ebola. Not during SARS or anything else. Not during the Spanish flu a century ago. Then again, we never had lockdowns before either. That was a phrase that until 2020 was applied to prison riots. The prison is rioting, lock it down. Again, how? How did we get there? How did the Overton window get shifted? Well, it's easy to see in retrospect. The masks, I think, were key to it. Masks don't really work. Sorry, they don't. And my source for this is Anthony Fauci. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask, Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Teresa Tam said essentially the same thing until they both changed. Putting a mask on a asymptomatic person um, is not beneficial, obviously, if you're not infected. If you have close contact of a case, and uh, under certain circumstances, uh, especially, you'll also be in self-isolation, by the way, if you're close contact of a case, um, and you also need to move for any essential reason. That's uh, perhaps another um, um, situation. Um, what we worry about is actually the potential um, negative aspects of wearing masks, where people are not protecting their eyes, or you know other aspects of where the virus could enter your your um, your body, and that gives you a false sense of uh, confidence. But also, uh, it increases the touching of your face. If you think about it, if you've got a mask around your face, sometimes you can't help it because you're just touching parts of your face. Yeah, they both changed their minds. But look, masks surely don't work. Surely aren't a plus if they're worn all day without changing them, worn and touched again and again, handled and dropped as they surely are at schools, 
with children, for example? Do you think kids touch their face a thousand times a day? Children who simply don't suffer from the virus in any meaningful way are being made to suffer, but making masks mandatory, you have to understand it was key in moving the Overton window. It normalized public health orders infringing on the rights of healthy people, the innocent people. It normalized being told what to do with our bodies, even ridiculous things, even pointless things. It's normalized citizen scolding citizen. It normalized peer pressure towards compliance. It is the flag of lockdownism and it takes away your choice. You know, the New York Times and other liberal media were full of stories of people saying they wanted to keep wearing the masks even after they got vaccinated so the people wouldn't think they were Republicans or other knuckle-draggers who dared to, you know, question Big Pharma or question the UN's World Health Organization. So if you make masks mandatory and you condition people to do what they're told and to do what others are doing, um, and the masks are a reminder that we're in a crisis, even if the actual crisis is long gone, as the statistics show. And so when the government says it's time to panic, and they say scary words like Delta variant mutation, which is so terrifying, the Delta variant, that it hasn't moved the death rate up past zero, uh, people are ready to do what you tell them. At least a lot of people are. And so it's coming. Everywhere at once, it seems, but BC decided to go first and they want to go in the worst way. See, with masks, there was always exemptions. You remember, we set up websites with exemptions by city and by province. Every mask law in Canada allows people with certain conditions to be exempted. Just for an example, if you're quadriplegic, if you can't use your arms, you are exempted from a mask. If you have asthma or other breathing problems, uh, there are psychological exemptions, for example, I'll tell you the terrible case of women who have been raped and having their mouth covered or gagged is traumatic. They're exempt as well. For example, uh, children, uh, young children especially, are exempt. Every place has a slightly different list, but they are guided by the Charter of Rights, which protects certain characteristics of people, including health. But look at this. Look at this. No medical or religious exemptions for BC's vaccine passport system. People who can't get vaccinated against COVID-19 for medical reasons won't be exempt from BC's upcoming vaccine passport system, nor will those who choose not to get immunized for religious reasons. But that's, that's against the law. It's against the province's human rights code. It's against the Charter of Rights, which is our constitution. Probably violates privacy laws too. There are plenty of reasons to take a vaccine and there are plenty of reasons not to take a vaccine. Um, don't take it from me, take it from say Pfizer. Here's their list of reasons not to take the vaccine. I took this literally from their press release they put out yesterday. Let me read some. I'm going to read a little bit from this. This is from Pfizer. Important safety information. Individuals should not get the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine if they had a severe allergic reaction after a previous dose of this vaccine, had a severe allergic reaction to any ingredient of this vaccine, individuals should tell the vaccination provider about all of their medical conditions, including if they have any allergies, have had myocarditis inflammation of the heart muscle or pericarditis inflammation in the lining outside the heart, have a fever, have a bleeding disorder or on a blood thinner, are immunocompromised or on a medicine that affects the immune system, are pregnant, planning to become pregnant or are breastfeeding, have received another COVID-19 vaccine, have ever fainted in association with an injection, 
that press release goes on for pages. So yeah, Pfizer says there are good medical reasons not to take their vaccine. And although their drug was approved for ages 16 and up by the FDA yesterday, that approval letter requires them to continue to do more testing to get to the bottom of heart inflammation and to study its effects on pregnant women. They have not finished testing the drug. So yeah, they'll tell you the reasons to be cautious, but none of that cuts any ice with the BC government. You can't, ta you can't um, take the vaccine. Well, too bad, so sad, stay at home now. You're under house arrest. You're truly under lockdown like a prisoner, even if you're perfectly healthy. If you got the virus and you recovered from it, so you're naturally immune, you're probably healthier than your average person. Sorry, the government says you just can't go out. You can't go to a gym. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't do anything. You don't really need to live your life anyways, though, because that's a privilege now, I guess. How did that happen so quickly, the Overton window? I'll read some more. Provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who announced the requirement Monday afternoon, said those individuals will have to miss out on discretionary services and activities, such as dining in restaurants and attending live sporting events until the proof of vaccination requirement is lifted next year. Oh, next year, eh? <laughs> and we can trust them on that one. This is a temporary measure that's getting us through a risky period where we know people who are unvaccinated are at a greater risk, both of contracting and spreading this virus, Henry said Monday. Got it, got it, got it. A temporary measure. I think I've heard that once before. Fool me once. Shame on you, fool me twice. Shame on me, fool me every month for 18 months. Shame on the entire society. Politicians, the media, the courts. Do you really think this vaccine passport that discriminates against everyone, do you really think that's a temporary measure? Do you really think it is? Trudeau told you that he's in this for years to come. Big Pharma needs its money. The media loves their story, perpetual crisis. Politicians need their excuse for an emergency, for spending, for suspending parliament, whatever. You really think this is going to be over in two weeks or next year? Speaking of which, take a, take a peek just further down the Overton window. Remember the stages from unthinkable to radical to acceptable to sensible to popular, and, and then it's policy. So I'd say vaccine passports are now popular, I think. And the dystopia we call Australia is now acceptable. Take a look at this. It's those doing the wrong thing driving our record case numbers. Among the most concerning cases, a COVID patient who's tonight on the run from a hotspot. Police and health authorities have issued an urgent appeal. Anthony Caram knows he is COVID positive when he steps into this public lift. Already breaking so many rules, he doesn't bother to cover his mouth as he sneezes and splutters. The 27-year-old is still infectious but has gone missing from his Wentworth Point apartment. A warrant now issued for his arrest. This 27-year-old chap who apparently has expressed the view that he doesn't care less whether he spreads the virus, is one example of the worst of the worst. There's little sympathy for anyone ignoring the health orders. Even this group of teenagers caught partying after dark at the bottom of the North Bondi Cliffs. Herded to higher ground by Polair's spotlight and speaker, the eight boys were placed in handcuffs and left to explain a $1,000 fine to mum. Uh, 681 penalty infringement notices issued in the last 24 hours. More than 400 of those notices were again for people being outside of their home 
but without a reasonable excuse. Sideline Sharks player Josh Dugan denies lying to police when he was found a long way from Sydney. The 31-year-old stopped at 11.30 last night in Lithgow, where he allegedly told officers he was moving to the area and feeding animals before admitting to visiting a friend. He and a passenger turned back to Sydney, only to be pulled over a second time travelling in the wrong direction. The NRL is investigating and criminal charges could be laid. It's getting harder and harder to hide if you're doing the wrong thing, especially in the construction industry, a crackdown following on from the recent shutdown. Workers sent home if their paperwork isn't in check. It is a struggle, but it's, um, you know, it's just what has to be done. Like Nobody likes telling people to go home. They've all got families to feed. Our camera's rolling on another random blitz in Marsden Park. Authorising me under the Public Health Act. Inspectors have asked these tradesmen to show proof of their QR check-in as well as identification and vaccination records. One of the men here is from Campsy and he doesn't have his documentation, so he's being sent home. He may lose a chunk of his pay too if officers follow through with a fine. Tiffany Genders, Nine News. Yeah, that's next in the Overton window. I've received emails from at least 100 people in the last few days asking what we can do about these vaccine passports, vaccine mandates. Well, I've been talking to our lawyers every few hours about the situation. The BC vaccine passport isn't law yet. No order has been issued, at least at the hour I am recording this video. So far, it's just been press statements. But the moment the law is on the books, we should be able to challenge it immediately if it's how they threaten it to be. We obviously need a plaintiff, a person who has been discriminated against, once we have those two pieces, a, a law or an order or a policy on the books to challenge, and a plaintiff, I give you my word that it will be my highest priority, absolutely the most important thing that we will work on. In the meantime, please sign our petition at novaccinepassports.ca. When last I checked, we had over 77,000 signatures. Let's see if we can get that up to 100,000 by the end of the week. We will fight this, I promise you. Stay with us for more. Would you be prepared to allow provinces to experiment with real healthcare reform including the provision of private, for-profit, and non-profit healthcare options inside of universal coverage? Yes. Now I'll elaborate right. a little bit more. <laughs> we can't have just one old model that is increasingly becoming inefficient, and we have to find public-private uh, synergies, and that capital will come in to, to, to drive efficiencies. I've run on this for several years now, I don't know if you noticed, but that clip of Aaron O'Toole was edited. Could you see where it sort of jumped and his face moved a little bit and his answers seemed a little bit disjointed? He obviously did say those words. I'm not saying that this is a deep fake video, a kind of digital forgery. Aaron O'Toole did say those things, but they were cut and pasted together to change the meaning of it. 
Now, welcome to politics. This is not new. What is new is that the cutters and pasters of this deceptive edit were the Liberal Party of Canada, and no one less than Christia Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister herself, issued that redacted, tweaked, manipulated video on Twitter. Now, normally, I don't know how much I would care. I would frankly say I'm glad Aaron O'Toole is talking about a little bit of private medicine in Canada. And anyone who doesn't know that there is private delivery of healthcare within our public insurance system just doesn't know how it works. Every province has a form of it, including the sacred province of Quebec. But what's new this time is if you look at the tweet itself, it was labeled by Twitter. Do you see that at the bottom there in blue? manipulated media with an exclamation point. And if you click on that, it tells you that this tweet, you can see Christia Freeland's name at the top, that Christia Freeland deceived you. And if you click on it, you'll see an explanation. This is Twitter sort of meddling. I don't particularly like Twitter getting in the way of my reading. I don't trust their fact checkers. I don't like the idea of official fact checkers at all, certainly not those directed or under the thrall of government. And that's the thing. Christia Freeland, Justin Trudeau, Stephen Gilbo, they have declared war on social media manipulation. Right before Parliament broke, they introduced legislation and then they released draft legislation that would set up a whole new government regulator of the internet to declare war against this very thing. So which is right? Can Twitter call out Christia Freeland as a manipulator? Is she breaking her own proposed laws? Or if liberals do it, it's fine. My view is that we should have free speech and no meddling. We can be our own fact checkers. And frankly, if Christia Freeland wants to trick voters, and it can be easily detected, she should wear that blame and maybe lose votes because of it. I'm in fact glad that they were tricky. Shows how desperate they are and it's been a bit of an embarrassment. Joining us now via Skype from Alberta, our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sheila, there's a deliciousness here mm -hmm. to the people who want to censor what they call fake news being called out as fake news. There's so many layers of irony there, isn't there? Yeah, and just the shamelessness of it all. Like, maybe we're spoiled because we have some of the best video editors on the planet. But it was so obviously edited, those jump cuts. And for someone like me, who's a conservative, I look at that and I say, I wish that Aaron O'Toole actually said those things. Are you trying to make me like him, Christia? But, um, you know, like, the, this is the liberals who want social media companies to be the arbiter of truth. And if social media companies won't bend towards the liberals' will, then they're going to create this whole entire censorship bureaucracy, the ministry of truth, if you will, to make sure that social media companies bend to their will. So when I looked at this, I thought, okay, well, six months down the road, when the liberals have brought in their new censorship bureaucracy and the new censorship law, what would they have done to Twitter when Twitter actually gave them a fact check that aligned with reality? Would this new bureaucracy now lean on Twitter to remove that manipulated media tag because it, it wouldn't be in accordance with what the government says is reliable media? I don't know, but this is a whole big can of worms. And these are the people who are busy fact checking you on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, what's unusual here is that uh, you could see the fingerprints of Twitter's mm -hmm. interference. 
they tag it with manipulated media. 99.99% of the time, you don't even see a trace of social media censorship. Posts are just deleted, they're vaporized. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're done so quickly, they're done by machine. This decision to tag the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada really as being a liar must have been signed off on, I'm certain, by a vice president level Canadian Twitter executive because you don't lightly call the Deputy Prime Minister a liar. But most of the time, and we see this when we have live streams on YouTube, we see automatically, they see certain key words, mm -hmm. they automatically censor them as fast as a computer can go. Like they, they probably censor millions of things a day. It's just this one time that we saw it. I'm actually far more afraid of, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that this blew up in her face, but I'm terrified of the censorship that's going on all the time. I don't like her being censored by Twitter. It's just sort of funny that the censor is being censored. Yeah, and I, I think it speaks to the confidence the liberals had up until just a couple of days ago that Twitter would go along with whatever they were doing. Um, you know, like this is an obvious edited video. We know that the conservatives have the full unedited version, that they would have the ability to publish it. And I think the liberals even knew that they would get caught in the lie but they just expected Twitter to go along and, and not mark this as manipulated media. So this might be a little bit of a wake up call for the liberals. However, I'm not so confident because as you know, Justin Trudeau then doubled down and said that that was the full unedited video, even though any normal person can see the jump cuts. I don't even think Justin Trudeau know what he, knew what he was talking about when a reporter actually asked him a pretty good question about uh, Freeland's tweet being labeled manipulated media. He doubled down. And when I see that, I think, what else are these people flat out lying to our faces about? Because that's what it amounts to. They are lying right to our faces and insulting the intelligence of Canadians. I want to play that clip. I mean, that's the Trudeau way, brazen it out. Whether it's being asked about his sexual assault on Rose Knight, well, she experienced it differently. Or being asked about, did you... Uh, fire Jody Wilson-Raybould for trying to protect the integrity of a trial. The, the story in the Globe and Mail is false. Like, he just brazens it out. And what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? I did not take a bribe uh, for a $100,000 vacation from the Aga Khan on Billionaire Island. Well, yes, you were actually convicted of it. But there's a, the liberals never apologize, never explain. Here's Trudeau brazening it out. Take a look of the fact that Twitter says that a video that was posted by Christia Freeland has been manipulated and now counsel, legal counsel for the Conservative Party is asking for an immediate investigation into that video. What's really important here is that in the middle of a pandemic, Aaron O'Toole came out unequivocally in support of private health care in terms of for-profit health care. We posted the entire interview on it. Uh, on uh, 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 we posted the entire interview in its entirety, uh, and I encourage all Canadians to take a look to see what Aaron O'Toole has to say about what he sees on the future of healthcare. It wasn't in its entirety. Maybe he meant somewhere else, but I wonder if he'd accept that excuse from the people he proposes to prosecute. I want to say one more thing, though, Sheila. The fact that Aaron O'Toole then went to tattle to Elections Canada, 
that feels petty and gross too. Like you're, you're literally asking the referee to do something, They're like the election officer of the country to get involved in this little quarrel. I mean, I suppose it's worked for Aaron O'Toole before. He got involved in the leadership contest of the conservatives to get Jim Carahelios kicked out. He later kicked out Derek Sloan, another one of his competitors. Like he's a bit of a whiner. And like surely the right thing to do when Christy Freeland lies about you and Justin Trudeau doubles down on the lie is not to tattle to mummy, but to say, look at the ethics of these people, look at their double standards, you can't trust a word they say. Not to tattle to the chief electoral officer and ask him to do what? Uh, call off the election? Just I, Even in this, I think Aaron O'Toole, I think, had the wrong approach. Last word to you, Sheila. Yeah, I mean, this is really gross. There's three censors involved fighting over who gets to censor each other. We've got Twitter involved uh, marking Christia Freeland's altered video as what it is, an altered video. Um, we've got the liberals who want to censor everybody. And now uh, the conservatives wanting to censor the liberals. I mean, a smart tactic would have been turning this into a campaign ad about how you just can't trust the liberals, showing one ed the edited version and the unedited version. But, you know, Aaron O'Toole, whom we are supposed to assume will protect us from Justin Trudeau's censorship, is demanding a form of censorship of his own against his political enemies. So, you know, everybody's as bad as each other here. Yeah, you're right. There you have it, Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter. Thanks for your time, my friend. You're welcome, boss. All right. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters. Bruce Atchison says, The actions of our politicians speak so loudly about what these people will be like in power. The same applies to the media. Like Christ said, by their fruits shall you know them. He was speaking of the Pharisees, but it also applies to our own elites who use us for their own crooked ends. I really think this is the worst time in Canada since the Second World War. I mean, that was a tremendous crisis that took uh, away some of our liberties and much of our efforts. But I, I think we still have more civil liberties during the Second World War. I think this is actually the greatest infringement on civil liberties in Canadian history. Um, I don't accept it, and I'm shocked at how many people do. Someone by the nickname Awakened Love, sounds very romantic, says, because mainstream media won't get paid anymore from Justin Trudeau if they reported on this, mainstream media is controlled by the government. You're talking about when MoCA saw Trudeau's bus blocked for half an hour, and David Aiken said, no, 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 it didn't happen. MoCA was right there. I mean, Mocha's a straight shooter. He's a little bit shy, frankly. And he was right there, and he, he was sort of startled by what he saw. And he told me he interviewed all the different protesters. I mean, and you've seen the video. He, he called me. It's just, it was real. And David Aiken is saying, don't believe your lying eyes. Trust me. It didn't happen. I mean, you wouldn't think I would let that go unreported, would you? Well, well you did, David. And, and I think that that's just another example of how you have the establishment media and you have independent media. And I, I don't know how much you can trust establishment media now that it's on Trudeau's payroll. Paul McCullough says, great to see Rebel News grow. Australian patriots need our support. Give, share, report. Hey, Paul, thanks very much. And I appreciate your support. I, I always see your name pop up. So thank you for that. 
Uh, I'm very proud of what Abi Yamini is doing down under. Um, we fight hard here in Canada. There are more than 30 of us here all together in Canada. Avi is down there almost by himself. We have a young writer down there. Alexandra is her name. And now we have uh, Yasmin, who's going to be doing some reports with us. So it's a growing team. But they have it in many ways harder than us because they're up against a worse system um, and they're more alone. But because of that, I think they're actually in some ways more appreciated by Australians um, because they're really the only guys and gals down under fighting back. Not the only ones, but almost the only ones. And I, I had a great uh, chat yesterday with Yasmin and her cameraman. And uh, we talked for almost an hour about that first video and plans for the future. I'm very excited. And we hope to have another little team in Sydney, the, the main city of Australia, a beautiful, wonderful city that is under such an abusive lockdown. So it is my hope to have a real Australian operation and I want to let you know as Canadians that Australia pays its own freight. The crowdfunding from Australia covers the bills for Australians. And I know that Canadians don't mind, you know, sponsoring reporters around the world. We're curious what happens in places around the world, too. But I want to let you know that Australia deeply values our crowdfunding approach to citizen journalism. And um, in fact, at BrisbaneReporters.com, uh, was very successful. I, I believe that we'll be able to fund a fairly large Australian operation. I'm just so proud of our team there. Anyways, I'm gushing, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I also want to tell you this weekend, we're trying out a new reporter in London, England, and we know that the UK can crowdfund uh, citizen journalism there too. So Rebels certainly on the march. That's our report for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.